You can't put any of that. I know. Way. I just thought, fucking get it out of the fucking. Let's do. We've got the bad stuff out of the way. So today on the Tim Manor podcast show, I've got my mate Quartz in. How long have we known each other for? I've known you since you were 17. 16. 16. 16. What was the band that you were in called that you were in with when we were a kid? So the, the, the band, the way that I met you, yeah. you were Tez and everybody, your brother Tez, um, was called Tito. Right, yeah, I remember that. And I remember the first time I met you, it was on uh, Denton Lane in Chatterton, and I'd just met Cookie um, at college when yeah. I was 16. And he was like, oh, you need to come and, you need to come and, he heard me play guitar and he was like, oh, yeah. you need to come and play with my band. We've got a keyboardist and a bass player and my brother does a bit of scratching and that. And I was like, well, yeah, Charlie, I'm not doing anything. I'll go and, go and jam. 16, I can't believe it, man. And then I'm like 26 at the time. Yeah, yeah. Goes down, jams with him, meets your brother, tears, meet big Pete Epton style yeah, and yeah, yeah. stuff. And Shout out to like Pete. Just opened yeah. up this world that I'd not been exposed to. Couple of weekends later, met you. You brought Tez down to take us up to the new rehearsal room. Yeah, yeah. And just you know, the rest is history. Man. Mad start going out down in Manchester with you all. I'm 16 at the time, and you're getting me in clubs and stuff. <laughs> it's mental, dude. Fucking Crazy. good times, man. Good times. Good times. Eye opening times. Molding times. It's kind of like I always say to people, like I'm the product of like two manners and three cooks. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Oh, good that mate. So. When did you first start getting into playing the guitar? Oh, probably about the age of 13 or something like did that. Did you? Yeah, I was like in secondary school. Yeah, so I was about 13. Always been into music right from the off? Not necessarily. It was more like just a general sort of kid, just playing football, you know, going on the park and stuff like yeah. that. And it was like my sister got a boyfriend who played guitar, and that's kind of like what opened up like this musical world to me. And he was like bringing Nirvana CDs and CDs and yeah. Rose and stuff like that and that's what really like what did you want to do back then before I was playing music or when I just started playing music both give me both so before I started playing music I, I can't even remember a time before I like music to be honest with you like I said I was just like a, a average but kid. where you thought oh I'm going to make this my sort of profession I didn't really think about that until I picked up the guitar and then when I picked up the guitar and started getting into music I was like, that's all I ever wanted to do and it was luckily enough, luckily enough to have, you know, a dad who was like, well, you know, if that's what you want to do, then yeah. do it. And he would, you know, he would buy me guitars and amps and he would take me here and there to go and, you know, rehearsal with school bands and stuff like that. When I say school bands, it's like, you know, me and my mates and mm. just playing covers of like Green Day and Blink-182 and stuff like that at the summer concert and stuff like that. And it was just all I did. You know, most kids were going out getting drunk. What was your dad playing you? What type of music was he playing you? My dad, wow, um, Bob Marley. Because um, he had like, um, they have like loads of records. Yeah, so my dad, because I, I, don't you don't you sample quite a, a lot of those records from yeah, from your your pops like? Well, yeah, yeah, I went through that collection and ended up having to you know go and make my own collection and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my dad would play like really diverse stuff. So he'd like Bob Marley one minute and then, you know, it'd be stuff like Led Zeppelin or Jimi Hendrix and stuff like yeah. that. Typical sort of 60s, 70s stuff. To yeah. So when did when did the, the sampling sort of like take shape? Because obviously we were going, what, Music Box, uh, Grand Central Records. We started getting into all that, didn't we? And then what was that point where you thought to yourself, in fact, to talk, tell people what you do. 
because obviously I've just kind of done you as my mate there. And just while <laughs> I'm actually thinking there's people listening to this, they don't fucking clue what you do. Um, I'm a sample-based hip-hop producer, beat maker, um, and, you know, I just go digging for records and sample them, chop them up and make beats out of them. And then from that, you know, you get producers that like your beats, who want to buy your beats or want to work with you directly and stuff. I've been pretty fortunate to work with some underground people, not, you know, nobody really yeah. big or massive or anything like that. Um, local people, people in the States. I've been fortunate enough to release music through people in the States, people in labels in the UK, vinyl, cassette, digital releases. Man, honestly, from the outside, like, I'm so proud of you because it's like, you know, I know we don't talk often, like, but then when you're doing, like, a music festival or you're, like, you're working with an artist and I see these tapes coming out, I'm just like, fucking quality, man. This is what you were born to do, mate. It's, I mean, like, it's it, it, it's great. Like, I've been really, I've, it's, a lot of it is, like, it's a lot of hard work and sticking to your guns, but I've also, I'm one of the luckiest motherfuckers in the world. A lot of stuff has landed in my lap, and I don't know if that's the universe because I'm putting in the hard work, yeah, I'm put, putting that put message out, out there, yeah, and, and it's, it back, I'm getting the, yeah. the rewards back or whatever. Yeah, I don't know, but yeah, I've been super, super lucky to, you know, Village Live getting in touch with me and putting me on wax yeah, for the first time. Deal, that was man. a big milestone. Yeah, yeah. You know, playing festivals and stuff like that. Yeah. Even before that, when I was just sort of dabbling with beats but not releasing music, and I was hanging out with Smee, remember yeah, Smee? Yeah, yeah. And we was doing the big city thing, um, and we was doing the. M I used to MC for Juicy on a Wednesday night at yeah. Joshua Brooks, and you know, every every second Friday of the month at Gorilla or something like that, which I hated, by the way. But it was a a stepping yeah, stone yeah, to yeah. getting out there into Manchester and meeting the people that you yeah. need to meet, sort of thing. Um, when did you when did you know them? Was it back then doing the MCing that you thought I'm going to make this my profession now? What was it? What was the? There must have been a moment we just thought. I think just going to like going to you. Well, no, even before that, when I met Cookie and Tez and everybody, it was just like, and you know, we start doing gigs and we're booking, and then we started putting our own nights on at um, Jackson's Pit, yeah, and then it, yeah. we got it that busy that we had to move to a bigger venue. Like, who did that in Oldham, bro? Yeah, yeah, at yeah, that yeah. time, nobody. We moved to Three Sixty Bar and we're selling out, and you know, making. I remember Tess going, we've just made 500 quid on yeah, the door. And that's after right. we paid the bounces. I'm like, what? Good and I'm 16, dude. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm like, yeah, this yeah. is this is what I want to do. Yeah. And I'm going to stick with it. And then, you know, finishing uni, I went and worked at like Sainsbury's for like three years or something like that. And I was like, no, yeah, this is not time. for me. This is not for me. So when, when did you get into the drumming side of it then? When, when did you start getting into the sampling and the drumming? So I was at uni, I was hanging out around with Smee and doing the big city thing. And I remember we saw a video of a guy called A-Rab Music on an MPC, just going ba 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 da 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 and playing whole beats live, just hitting pads. And we just looked at each other and we was like, we need to do that. We need to like, we need to do that. We need to stop making beats how we're making them and start doing it so we can start doing it doing it live and start practicing and stuff and that was like what 2011 or something like that and it was you know a bit of a pipe dream in a way when you think i'm gonna go and do that and it's like oh wow this is not he makes it look it's like anything when somebody does it well they make it look easy and it was like from then and i think i did my first finger drumming show 2017 so from 20 2011 to 2017 i spent yeah, that whole time learning how to yeah. do it 
and making beats at the same time, but not really releasing any music. So where are you getting your samples from at the time then, when you when you, when you you started first doing it? Just vinyl, just going yeah. out. And this is before like the vinyl boom kicked off again and records yeah. were dirt cheap and you could find stuff in the charity shops for 50p, do you know what I mean? Or yeah. you could go to a proper record shop and come on with a crate full of records for like, you know, 30, 50 quid or something like that. And now yeah. you go there after the vinyl boom and you look if you can get like two or three records for 50 quid. Yeah. Well, I think what I've loved about watching you um, grow is is I've seen the finger drumming thing, and not that it, it wasn't for you, but I felt like you were replicating other people. But then when you started, the Japanese started like I'm just like Matt's finding his identity within that space now, and obviously you've gone through that process from eleven to what's it, and then I just thought right, okay, he's got it now. He's going to start implementing himself, and the, um, what's the album cover that um, because you. Koichi Terry, mate, that fucking album cover is beautiful. Well, that was uh, that was all down to my cousin, um, yeah. who's a graphic designer. You've met my cousin, yeah, yeah, who he is. Um, but yeah. yeah that, I think that album in particular was like I, I, I mean, you know, previous to that, I did Village Live, put yeah. Shurikens out, which was like a big thing. It was yeah. a big milestone. My first time on Wax, but then Koichi Terry, we did it all ourselves. Yeah. You can tell, mate, it's got you in it. It feels like it's got you in it. It was like at a time when a company just came about called Crates where you could do a crowdfunding thing. Yeah. Um, you could, you know, you, and it's really simple. It was just a website. You upload all your audio files, you upload your artwork yeah. and you direct people to the site and they, it's almost like a pre-order sort of thing, but like you have to hit a hundred pre-orders otherwise it doesn't get made. And I think we came here and we did two yeah, videos yeah, and yeah, as soon yeah. as we did them, boom, within four days, we had, I put it at a, hun a hundred for like the limit of what we had to hit. And within four days, we had 200 orders Ooh. and it carried on. And it was still, we had like a month still to go, like yeah. to get, you know, to the hundred, even though we surpassed it. And I, yeah, I think yeah. it ended up getting like 240 orders or something like that. And the, you know, I've, after that, I've done multiple releases through there. I think I'm probably one of the only guys that's done two double LPs successfully crowdfunded at the same time. <laughs> do you ever look at it and stop and yeah, yeah, do you think every you're proud you're, you're like proud of yourself every day I am every day man every day not just proud of myself but like wow wow like just Sick. yeah I've put the hard work in but you still you know you don't think like yeah it's hard work but you don't think oh I'm putting this hard work in so you know I deserve this or whatever or something's gonna come back from it and then you just like it happens and you're like and it never it, it always shocks me it's never underwhelming. It's always overwhelming when people buy, yeah. like, because first and foremost, like, I'm, I make music for me because I enjoy it. And then if someone else, like, listens to it and likes it, that's always a bonus. And if they buy it, that's an extra bonus. And then if they share it yeah. or, you know, they tell someone else about it. And that was one of the great things about Koichi Terry. I get so many people messaging me still about that album yeah. saying, oh, my mate played me this. And it's like, you know, that's how I found you. Like, and yeah. it was like, even on sort of like social media side, yeah. It just went from like less than a thousand followers to yeah. like boom, four thousand followers, and it was just like, what? This yeah, is yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I play it, mate, and like people go, "Oh, who's that?" I go, "Because it's my mate quote." I'm just like, "Fuck it," I just feel so fucking proud of that. It's like Betty's like, "Oh, um, who's, who's coming out?" I said, "Oh, quote, mate, I've known him for ages. Like, um, the music producer and does you know, oh, what kind of stuff does he do?" Um, so I showed her, like, I was just dead proud of like showing you what you do. And then next thing you know, she came in the next day and said, oh, my fella's been listening to it nonstop. He fucking absolutes quotes his stuff. It's like And that's sick. what happens. Yeah, it yeah. just has this knock-on effect. Yeah. And it's just like, I can't believe it. What dude. is it about your tunes? Like, what, what, what? I, I know it's probably hard for you to say, but like, 
Because it is kind of... I don't know what it is, Spanish, Japanese, kind of... Spanish, Japanese. <laughs> honestly, mate, I'm just like... I just, it's kind of lo-fi. I can feel like I'm in um, one of them lowriders and it's got that... It, it, it's just... That is the nail on the head and I think that was one of the like the biggest audience. When you look at the stats on Spotify and stuff like that and where the records were going, right. it was mostly people in LA in yeah. that lowrider culture. Right. And I think that's why it had such a big effect because of the type of samples that I was using was like what they call oldies, which is what all like the um, sort of like the LA car yeah. culture is all about and stuff, yeah. them oldies tunes. But I've just got this this Japanese little sprinkling with it, mate. When I, obviously that's just my sort of perspective on it, like, but that's why it's so different for me when I, when I listen to it. I mean, I, was I the first guy to sort of bring that Japanese influence yeah, into yeah. sort of like hip hop and stuff? Probably not. But if you look, you've at always been going, into that though, Mangara, all that. That you know what I mean? That's your identity from right samurai movies. Yeah, right back like, in the thing. I'm not like I probably no, I wasn't the first person to do yeah. it. But now, when you look at what's going on in like the subcultures of beat yeah. making and stuff like that, or the subgenres with lo-fi hip hop, yeah. as they call it now, which is not really what I call lo-fi hip hop. What I yeah. call it is study beats or chill out music. Yeah. There's this anime sort of imagery that and branding that goes with it, and it's all it's like. And I kind of sit there and I, I, it's easy to get bitter. You can get bitter and you know hate on it, or you can go. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 <laughs> I did yeah, that. Yeah. I was doing that back in 2017. Yeah, do you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? I just love the, the Japanese, you know, the samurai and the code of ethics and the, the principles and stuff like that. Yeah. Just the fucking, there's just nothing like it, is there? No, not at all, man. It's just like, and that's something that I was like into, you know, from a young age. I've always been into like. Yeah, Brinsley. Yeah. Arms and armor. I think most young kids are into like, you know, playing army or whatever yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. And then you know, the first time you see a Bruce Lee movie and yeah. you get that sort of like Eastern sort of glimpse into Eastern martial arts and stuff like that. Yeah. And then you start seeing things like, you know, Shogun Assassin or something. You're yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's got like banned yeah. since 1981 on the on the VHS coming. Yeah, you remember yeah. you used to see it in the VHS store when you was kids. Yeah. like, oh, no way. There's just something so um, humble, yet this person could kill you as well at the same time. So great. Um, values and way of being but in a split second they can just kill you it's such a paradoxical no way of life as well yeah, like yeah. you know if, if you read books about you know Bushido and stuff like that and you know there's a, a popular a film that made one of the books very popular there's a film called Ghost Dog The Way of the Samurai with yeah. uh, Forrest Whitaker yeah, and he's in it. the movies reading a yeah, book and yeah. that's an actual real book that you can go out is and it buy. actually about a sword fighter no um, it's it's a collection of writings and it's more like short little sort of like um, mantras in a way, I suppose, yeah. of how to live like a samurai. And these, is, do you get influenced from that when you're actually making your music that you maybe sample some of that within in your music? Absolutely, and not just that, just like work ethic and stuff like that, and not yeah. and also, and then it knocks off and it starts infiltrating your day to day life, how you speak to people, how you yeah. you know how you in, interact with people and stuff like that, and. <laughs> how you perceive how people are inter interacting with you. It's like, you know, for years and years, some people, you know, they get the wrong idea about me, dude. Like, yeah. they think I can be quite arrogant and yeah. stuff like that. But I, it's kind of, it's more of a case of like, I'm more of an introverted extrovert. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not going to come over to you and start a conversation with you. Yeah. People find that arrogant. But if you, come, if you yeah. come to me, 
I'll talk to you, do you know what I mean? And I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll kick it with you and, 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 you know, talk about whatever, do you know what I mean? And it's kind of like, for me, it's like from that reading about Sunrise and stuff like that, it's that mutual respect and yeah, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, and it's yeah. a little bit like that not that story in Kill Bill when Pi, the story of Pi Mayer from the White Lotus clan and he's walking down the street yeah. and Shaolin Monk's walking up the street and Pi May gives him a nod, but the Shaolin Monk doesn't nod back to him. Yeah. And that's a huge sign of disrespect. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that shit, man. It's dope, so isn't it? Good, it's dope. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, it can, so it, if you can sort of like it, bring that so into good, your everyday man. life, yeah, you yeah, find yeah, that you yeah. start getting, you know, interacting with people better and, yeah. and so on and so forth. Your social media engagement goes up because yeah. you're being... Exactly. I remember man. I did a podcast once and one guy was, he was interviewing me was saying, um, one of the things that I love about you is that you always make time to comment back to everybody yeah, that comments yeah. on your post. Well, why shouldn't I? They took the time to comment on the post. Yeah. It's that nod and they don't nod back. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. That's what I was saying to someone the other day about social media and stuff. It's like, it's called social for a reason. And if someone's comments and they've made the time to do it, then you do the same thing back. You won't walk into a pub and someone says hello, you don't say hello back. Exactly. You just come up and say, come. Exactly. So what was the, the reason for doing the tapes? So the, t- the tape thing was, it, that you know, that spans back to like in the, in the 90s when producers would put their beats on tapes. This is, pr- you know, pre-internet invading homes and stuff like that. And to get your beats to, to you know, MCs and stuff like that, you would put all your beats on a tape and post it out. Yeah. And then I think it was probably around 2013, 2014, we just got a studio in a mill in Oldham. And uh, I was Was working. that behind um, bus stop? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, one of the guys, a young lad, PK Roscoe, shout out to PK Roscoe, I still work with to this day. Um, I remember we were doing some stuff and I was just like, I need to find someone that dubs tapes. I've just got this feeling that tapes are going to come back in a big way. Boom. Tapes came back in a massive way. And this really thriving scene of producers like me that were, you know, making beats out of the bedroom, it just started to emerge again and stuff like that. And... I remember I got an inbox on Twitter from a guy that run a, a small label called Brain Food Media. And he was like, I, I make tapes. Do you want to do a beat tape? And I was like, you're damn right I do. <laughs> and and it was really sort of just emerging really nicely. And in, I'd just got an Instagram and stuff like that. Yeah. And I was starting to meet people like me on the other side of the world in LA or, you know, in Japan and stuff like that. And they were all like, dubbing these tapes at home and I went and met the guy from Brain Food Media I went it's over to his house and you talk about him man you're just like what, what have you been doing <laughs> like what I went over to his house in Wigan he was like I'll show you where I, I dubbed the tapes and stuff and he had like it was like a three story house and in the attic he had like 20 just tape decks all around the room and he was popping tapes and running around pressing record and that's how people were doing it and just like getting them on Bandcamp you could start putting um, actual physical stuff as merch on Bandcamp and selling so you could ship them out you could get orders from all over the world and then the other thing that was really good was like because of the Instagram thing I was getting people saying oh I've just put a beat tape out do you want to send me one of yours and I'll send you one of mine so there was this trading thing going on as well and then people were like oh do you want to do a tape together and I started doing tapes with people from LA and, and on you know on a label from New York or we was doing a tape with somebody from Japan on a label in you know Washington or whatever and it was just like That's really thriving and then and this is like the time when you know you got 15 seconds video time on Instagram and people start doing finger drumming started coming out everybody starts finger drumming you've got 15 seconds to do your best routine that you can 
and I was just like getting them out as quick as I do. I was like, people need to know, like I've been doing this for years. How big was your Instagram following? When, when you first started that, did it take off quite quick? I started getting a, a little bit of recognition from it, yeah. yeah. Um, it was, but it was like, uh, it was the the vinyl, getting your stuff on, but when you, you get your stuff on vinyl and you go like that to somebody, they go, oh shit, yeah, this they, dude's on vinyl. Right, yeah. I'm going to start taking him seriously. Do you know what I mean? Because anybody can, you know, yeah. the music gear is cheap enough now. You can buy a laptop, you can buy some drum pads, you can, you know, yeah. sample from whatever you want and make some beats in your bedroom. Anybody yeah. can do it. But like, if somebody takes you seriously enough to say, I want to put a record out and they put it on vinyl, and then you've got that vinyl and you give it to somebody else and they're just like, oh shit, okay. You yeah, mean Kate's, business Kate's now. Upstairs that you signed. It's <laughs> mint, mate. It's so, fucking mint. When do when your clothing brands start getting in touch with you? To start, what was that one I remember you did it for? I can't remember. Oh, it, the, it? Um, oh shit. It's quite a big clothing brand. Oh, it was a Manchester based one. What were they called? Native Youth. That's right, yeah. Yeah, Um, that was sort of after, around that time when Shuriken, because Shurikens came out in the April and then Koishito came out in the September. So it was around that time. Yeah. Uh, and I knew a girl that was work. I went to school with a girl that was working for him. So she's obviously gone in and, yeah. you know, got, you know, you need some music for that shoot. And I know yeah. this guy and then that's there. Got Your music's just, perfect for stuff like that. It, it is. And it isn't at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit of a double-edged sword, like, because of, like, the Japanese samples, you know, all the samurai yeah, stuff that's yeah, on yeah. there, it can be a little bit a little bit difficult to work with and stuff like that. But, yeah. and you know, I've, I've had a few bits here and there, but nothing kind of major, but. So what did you do after Kushitero? What what was after that? Um, so, after, so after Shurikens came out, that was in the April and in the May, in the May um, we kind of, well, we found out my dad was going to die. Yeah. He got diagnosed with terminal cancer. Yeah. Um, so there was a lot of preparing for that. He was going through a lot of treatments. So they gave him four months at that initial meeting. That quick? Which, that quick then, which was, you know, devastating. Yeah. For everybody in the family. Um, so there was a lot of preparing for that. He started treatment, which was able to prolong it. Yeah. Um, so I was just like, I just plowed myself into music dude just to blank it out just not on. not blank it out but just sort of like just to keep busy and, and i knew that if if i stopped it would upset him do you know what i mean it was like because he was always the one that was like if that's what you want to do do it do it. you know what i mean just do it like um so it was just like just work just work just work and i just remember like i remember seeing like um I think it was a Will Smith of all things interview or something like that. And Will Smith was like, the best thing about me uh, is that you will never outwork me. If I get on a treadmill next to you and we set off at the same time, I'm not getting off that treadmill until after you've got off. And I just thought, that's fucking great, man. Just fucking just what you need. outwork everybody. Yeah. Just plow yourself into music. And just made a hell of a lot of music to this day I'm still sat on I'm still finding stuff I, stuff that I don't even remember making and it was like did you feel like that was that a time that you know even though it was going on with your dad you were sort of finding yourself as a as a beat producer music producer yeah definitely um it was because obviously you know you, the Beatles like Paul McCartney's always saying about them 10,000 hours that's I mean that was your moment right there weren't it 
I think it's, it's one of them things like as well because you've just got this devastating news and you've always got them people that sort of like, you know, they say, oh, why do you do music? Like, just go and get a fucking job, do you know what I mean? Go on, you know, and it's like, <laughs> why? I don't want to be fucking miserable like you yeah, going to yeah. work on a, waking up on a Monday morning and living for the weekend. It's like, so when you get that devastating news, it's like, you don't give a fuck about anything. Yeah. So it's like, I'm just going to... Nothing's fucking, worse than no, that, is it's it? It's like, you don't no give a shit about money. Yeah, you don't yeah, give yeah, a shit yeah. about anything. Or no matter what you said to me, you just don't fucking... It's just like, I'm going to just fucking go all out, go all out, do as much as you can. That's what he'd want you to do. And I was spending a lot of time at home as well because obviously my pops was ill and stuff and I was looking after him and stuff and like, it was just like, just go all out, man. And you know, if nothing ever comes from it, at least, you know. You could get everything you have. Exactly. But yeah, so it was just like, yeah, I just, just put everything that I had into it. And again, going back to that thing is like, you know, I don't know if the universe heard me or something like that. And it all, and it just all came back to me. And I think like the following, like 20, no, yeah, 2018, we put out uh, Quartz FM. Yeah, remember that. Um, the artwork was sick on that as well, wasn't it? That was like mad sort of like 70s VHS yeah, sort of yeah, inspired. Who did that? Who designed that one? My cousin again. Is it sick? Um, that was like a, another big milestone because it was a gateful and yeah, you open yeah, it yeah, and there's yeah, a picture yeah, of me there. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, touching yeah. It. yeah. And um, we did that and... Yeah, turning the... Yeah. It was like the whole thing run as like a radio show. Yeah. It's Quartz FM and, and, you know, I was fortunate enough, you know, big thanks to everybody that got involved in that. I was like getting people that I'd met through social media to send voice clips on, on WhatsApp you know, doing like phone-in requests and stuff like that, or, you know, complaints about the show, just little bits like that. So good, so creative. And like, the first single from it got... When did you come up with the idea with that? When when did you think to yourself... That that LP in particular was inspired by um, an album by, you know, my all-time favourite producer, Jay Diller. He did, they they released something after JD passed. Pete Rock put something together called uh, Jay Stay Paid, and that runs kind of like a radio show as well they've got little snippets in between of interviews of jd being interviewed on the radio and stuff like that so that sonically and audio wise that's what inspired sort of like the theme of running it like a radio show and then like the cover was just i just wanted it to look really sort of just retro and it was sort of like you were coming into this this era of like, and I think we're still in that era of like, we're living in a time of nostalgia where people are looking to the good old days because at the moment, you know, especially everything after the pandemic, everybody's like, life's shit. So let's, you know, remember that, you know, everybody's trying to claw back to get the good old days back and stuff. So it's like, it was like, that was the vibe and it was like, yeah, okay, I like that. So we need to run with that. it actually wasn't my cousin who did that LP. It was Pete. It was Pete. 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 Yeah, but you know what? I thought it was when it I was, was thinking. Pete yeah, yeah. Shout out to Pete. Uh, shout out to Pete. Sorry, Pete. Um, yeah. Uh, it's just your cousin's done a lot of your albums, hasn't yeah, she? Done a, In fact, I do remember lot. Pete doing that. I think he sent it to me. Yeah, yeah. My cousin took the photograph yeah, that's yeah, on the yeah, on the in sleeve. Uh, so yeah, and it was just it was just like that sort of like that vibe at the time. Just really inspired the whole imagery of it and yeah. stuff. And how did that one do? How did it get received that? Um, it got received very well, but sales-wise, uh, Village Live, because of the success of Shurikens in Koishiteru, 
they went all out and did a really big run of it and i think there's still copies sat at you know village live hq now you yeah. can still get that so sort of like how it was received it got received really well but they're still left with a lot of yeah. copies which is kind of you know it, it i feel bad about it in a way um but then i always think well you know it was we did a we did a large run you know they stuck there if people whatever get hold of it or whatever so it, yeah, it yeah, is yeah. whatever uh, but yeah, the first single from that got featured in DJ magazine, and it was like the first time I was in a magazine and stuff like that. So that was cool. Um, but yeah, and then I think after that, what did I do after Quartz FM? It's just another, it's just a run of just because I had all this music, yeah, just yeah. get it out. Yeah. Started doing stuff with a label. Called Which one are you most proud of of everyone that you've done? Um, Koichi Terra. Right, so perfect. Yeah, yeah. I just, that, it was just such a turning like, I know, point. Mate, it, it was just, just like, like I said, point. when I, I could just, I could feel you as a person in that thing. It looked and sounded exactly who you are as a person. It would, it would, the, the front cover was beautiful. It, I mean, it did, and even the website and the animation, it was just like, I was just like, I, I don't like saying this, but somebody's actually done a better job than me, <laughs> right? I don't like saying it, but I'll, I'll be like. It was just, I mean, I think sonically as well, like the the, the feeling of that as well was um, there's a really good um, YouTube thing, their channel where they get celebrities to go out to record stores and go and buy records and come back and they have a chat about it. There's, there's one where Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers yeah. goes to a record store and he buys a few LPs and him there is the, um, a Jay Diller record and he's saying, oh man, this guy, this guy. And for, you know, Flea from the Red Hot Chili yeah. Peppers to be talking about someone like Jay Doo is like, he's every beat maker's favorite beat maker. Yeah. So for, you know, a funk bassist, rock bassist to be talking about, you know, one of the most underground, you know, it, no, normal people don't know about Jay Diller. It's more of a, a, a music person's yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. So for him to be talking about that, and he's like, I was listening to this guy. I used to go out hiking on trails and, you know, out in the redwoods in San Francisco and stuff like that. And it's like, and he started crying. It's like, this guy he just touched something. Like he just has a way. And it's like, and I was like, you know, wow, you know, yeah, it's yeah. like you've totally embodied, you know, what yeah. Jay Diller does to most of us beat makers sort of thing. It just touches you, it, yeah. like, it's in a really sort of emotional place where it's just like, wow, you know, these beats, Jay Diller beats, I'm not going to lie, there's Jay Diller beats, just beat instrumental beats that make me cry, dude. Yeah. And I was like, if you can do that to someone musically, that's a hell of a thing. If you that's a hell, a hell of a thing. thing. And, when I did Koichi Turin, I, I put a lot of it. I was seeing a girl at the time who was like, you know, really into it and stuff. And I put that into that record. That into it. And I've had people say like, I cried this morning listening to this record. They've messaged me, inboxed me on Instagram. And I was like, that's why you, that's why you do it. That's why you do it. To make people feel. Exactly. Make people feel. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. If you could, with an instrumental piece of music, if you can touch someone to make and it, yeah. it makes them feel something emotionally, yeah, and like you know, metal music can make people feel angry, but if you can make someone feel vulnerable, for lack of a better word, or that's you good. know, emotionally vulnerable, yeah, yeah, that's in, vulnerable enough to make them let that out, something that's you yeah, know, yeah. in society, you know, being vulnerable or crying is looked at as weak. It's fucking not, man. It's not at all. It's strong if anything if you feel comfortable enough to like you know let your emotions out where you cry yeah. and stuff it shows true strength true out. strength true strength which is the samurai way mate exactly yeah. bro it all comes back full circle yeah, 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 yeah. so yeah it was just like just 
putting that emotion into that record and it translated and people, you know, people, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. people felt it. Yeah, it resonated, it, mate. It resonated. That's why I'm so proud of that record, yeah. man. The, um, the mask thing that you're doing at the minute, what's, what's going on in with that? I'm sure I said go on in that. I don't know. It's because I'm with you, that. <laughs> um, the masks is just, was an accident. Was it? An absolute accident. Um, I was just bored one night. I had an MF Doom mask sat there. It's not even a proper MF Doom mask. It was something that I bought years ago off um, eBay or something like that. It was like a costume. Are they going like, mental? Are people just buying I, 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 got, I had a, a box full of stickers and a mask there, and I'm sat there one night, and I'm like, I'm just going to put all these stickers on that mask. Ping, 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 ping. I want one, I want one, I want one, I want one, I want one. Oh, shit. Okay, okay. Doing it's like you've not planned anything. You've just put it out there, the frequency, and it's just like, yeah, Matt, like what you're about, Paul And I think, it's, so it's a combination of three things, I think. Hard work, putting it out there, and my old man looking down on me. Yeah, 100%. It's like, and it was at a time where I was, the masks came along so fucking perfectly timed. Did they? Music was just like the press implants were getting backed up. Yeah. If you want to make money off music now, you have to be doing sample patch. You have to be doing content every day on social yeah. media. I'm 36, dude. Yeah, yeah. I don't have fucking time to do all no. that fucking fancy. You some of, the, some of the shit that people... You when you feel it, and that's what I love about you. You're not doing it just for the sake, sake of, of it. it. When you hear your music, or you do, you, and you know that Matt's felt it, he's not doing it for fucking anything else. It's like... A little bit towards that, after my pops died, it was like a little bit music was getting a little bit. Yeah. It's getting like a job there. Yeah, I'm just doing I'm it. just doing it for the yeah, sake yeah, of fucking yeah, doing yeah. it. And it was like dragging it. And then, you know, COVID hit and the press implants start backing up and yeah. record labels can't really, you know, they're waiting nine, six to nine months for records to come back. And you're like, okay, you might, you, I, I was lucky enough to get a couple of singles on Spotify that had over a million plays. 0 0.004 pence every play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, I'm going to get a couple of, you know, a little chunk of change every quarter, you know, every three to four months. It's like, okay, this is not a viable means of making money anymore. I'm not willing to start doing content every day on social media to push people to go and buy stuff or, you know, I'm not going to start creating sample packs. Thought about doing tutorials, tried it, didn't really work, wasn't really my kind of thing. Yeah. Masks. <laughs> Mental. It's like it, it came a lot just at that point. Where I'm like, what the fuck am I gonna do if I can't make money, money off music anymore? The way I, that I want to make money off music, what am I gonna do? Masks, and it came along. Um, a lot of people think that I jumped on this thing because MF. They, they remember, they, you know, people yeah, yeah. are buying them as MF Doom masks, yeah, yeah. and I was selling them as Your MF customer. Doom masks. I customize them. I do yeah. whatever. People get in touch with me. They want certain things. I do my own, you know, designs. Yeah, yeah. Oh, come up. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? yeah. Whatever. They are sick. They are sick, they are sick. bro. It's, I like. Do you know what I mean, yeah, I'm yeah. a, I'm a sucker for branding mashups. You know, when you yeah, see like yeah, people yeah. doing like, um, yeah. What's the, what the Nike, um, the Nike one? Because I fucking love that. The Nike off white. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. But again, like people were like, because MF Doom died like a year pr previous. They were like, oh, you, you, bro, the hate I've had from doing these masks. Really? Were the you really hate. celebrating him? I was doing it because I wanted to do something dope i think it's yeah, dope yeah. right 
I'm a sucker for brand mashing up yeah. people that do Simpson, like famous people as Simpsons characters, or they mash up logos or whatever. And I've always wanted to do something visually artistic. Yeah. I can't draw for shit. Yeah. I was like, this is great. Do you know what I mean? I'm ordering this spray paint and I'm finding people that can do decals. And I'm just thinking, right, how can we do this? And it was getting creative again, but not at the point where I'm like, doing something creative, but I'm not getting any money out of it either because I have to pay bills, do you know what I mean, at the end of yeah. the day. So people were coming along and I was getting inboxes and comments on it and some nasty shit, bro. <laughs> nasty shit. It hit an all-time low. Some guy messaged me, you're a fucking prick, you're disgusting, um, you're an absolute disgrace, how dare you, um, blah, blah, blah. And, and normally what I would do is just block, delete delete block whatever get rid of him did that to that guy two minutes later different account same guy ha 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 you blocked and deleted me if you do it again i'm gonna put you on blast on reddit looks like this dude why is he fucking bothering me why is he going to bother me block delete third account that's it you're fucking having it on reddit fucking hell fuck off but do say what you want block delete that evening gets an inbox somebody that follows me I, i don't know it was i don't follow them talk of the town you mate what are you talking about sends me the link to reddit bro it was going off <laughs> what, were you, what were you saying oh this is fucking trash who's this fucking guy who does he think he is this that and the... did you just go in bed just went in the bin but because i'm not a keyboard warrior brother i can't yeah. be doing with these people that want to trash talk you i i actually skipped a part of that story so the the third message I got from that guy, he went, I'm going to put you on blast on Reddit. I tried to call him, bruv. Did you? Not on a, not on a thing like, I wasn't going to kick off of him. And it's just like, what's up? What, what's up? What do you like want me to skills. do? Like, what's like, up? What's up? Yeah. He, he didn't answer. So I'm like, fucking, that night, blah, blah, blah. All goes off. And I was just like, I can't be honest with this keyboard warrior shit. And then I get another inbox. Some uh, female MC that uh, did a couple of tracks with Dooms put me on blast on Instagram. We need to get a cease and desist on this guy, blah, 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 this, that, and the other. I'm just like, I'm getting inboxes from people that I know in the music you've seen. Wow. You okay, bro? Have you seen this? And I just shut everything down. Did you? Just turn, like, deactivate everything. Turn the shop off, the big cartel off. Turn everything off. So I'm going to give it a week. I'm going to have a think about it. I need to think about how I can still do this because it was going off. The orders were flying in and all these masks you know what I mean and orders to do but work on these orders let everybody know that's ordered stuff that you've turned everything off tell them why you've turned it off blah 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 blah. do it for a week Um, that reddit post was going on and on and on and on and on and I'd say it was about 70% in this guy's favour and 30% people were battling my corner and stuff and it was like all right, nice I mean at least there is some people out there that are backing me or whatever um, and then it, after a week, I just turned everything back on. Nothing. And there's been nothing since. And because I don't sell them as MF Doom masks anymore, I sell them as Gladiator masks. And people, if they want to buy them as MF Doom masks, and they want to sit when they bought them, if they want to post pictures of them as MF Doom masks, that's up to them, dude. Not that, I'm it? selling Gladiator masks. That's crazy, that. The beef was unreal, bro. The beef was, I can't be doing with all these keyboard warriors do you know what i mean come yeah, and say yeah. it to my face do you know what i mean i'm not gonna i'm not gonna smack you or anything like that do you know what i mean but if you've got something to say to me come and say it to my face don't hide behind a keyboard man what have you got going up 
what music have you got coming up? Uh, music wise, it's yeah, kind of, the music's kind of slowed down because the masks okay. has just been going off. So it's kind of like I've been working. At, um, I just did something with two guys from Chicago, a duo that were really dope. They got in touch with me. They really like the beats. Yeah. Uh, that got put out. We did a run of cassettes and stuff. But even like even that like cassettes are struggling. Yeah. You know we can get cassettes done. You know and get a turnaround times like two weeks. It's not like the wax. So um, that's struggling. It's just everything seems to be really pushing towards that Spotify. Getting on the editorial playlists on yeah. Spotify, and again it's like it's not what I got into it for. So it's, I'm just gonna do music, but not really with a name of like you yeah. know making money off it or whatever. Just do it because it's fun. And then you know that old mantra of if it's fun, then carry on doing it. And if somebody yeah, else yeah, likes yeah, it, that's yeah, bonus. Yeah. So we did that with the two guys from Chicago. I've, I've, got something with a guy from Carolina um most of this year is mostly working with MCs not really much instrumental stuff I'm sat on loads of instrumental stuff but it's like I, I, I kind of want to see it on physical formats so we'll see what happens over the you know when everything starts to get picking back, back to normal yeah, and picking yeah. back up if it ever does yeah and just if you were going to give um, like a young kid advice getting into this game what advice would you give them apart from don't do it <laughs> do it do you know music has it seems to be like one of the biggest pastimes now yeah actually making beats people the, the equipment's becoming more affordable and stuff and you see more and more young people old people females all kinds of people from all over the world i follow some really interesting people you know from old women in japan sat in their little house with oh, little yeah. gear setups yeah, and stuff and it's it. like even you know Last time I saw your Tez, like he was like, he's still making music, but yeah. he's not really bothered about it. He comes home from work, yeah, he's doing he turns himself. everything yeah, off, yeah, he yeah. lights his incense, yeah, yeah. and he just lets go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, I, I love that part yeah, of it, yeah. that it's become this pastime. It's people's gym, or it's people's, yeah. you know, going to the pub or whatever, or, yeah. you know, sack your Netflix account off and go, just go and make some music, man. So it's like, if you, I would say, my advice is, if you're gonna do it, do it because you love it. Not because it's some fad that everybody else has done or because you want, gonna, you want to be big on social media or anything like that. Yeah. Do it and just be creative, man. Do it as a, as a release. Yeah. I'm gonna finish on that then. No worries, dude. Right, everybody knows how many people I've had on the podcast. Everybody needs to go and follow Quartz. Out of everybody, I want people to go and follow Quartz. It's cute. In fact, what is your Instagram handle? It's Matt Quartz, so it's M-A-T-T-K-U-A-R-T-Z. I thought it was just Quartz no. for some reason. Please go and follow my mate, Matt. He's the fucking bollocks. Mate, thank you so much. Cheers, Tim. Always a pleasure, dude. Always a pleasure. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>